Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This episode contains distressing themes and is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. After all of the evidence in Gannon Stock's disappearance pointed toward the person entrusted to look after him, the endangered child case quickly became a homicide investigation. His stepmother, Letitia, was arrested in March of 2020, and just over two weeks later, Gannon's remains were found in a suitcase beneath a bridge in Florida, over 1,300 miles from his home in Colorado Springs. It was evident that 11-year-old Gannon had suffered horrific violence before his death, but his stepmother continued to try and avoid responsibility throughout the investigation and even after her arrest. After waiting three long years for justice, Gannon's family were forced to sit through 20 days of grueling testimony and blatant lies about his final moments. Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Nina Instead, and welcome to Episode 75 of They Walk Among America, a joint production between the Law & Crime Podcast Network and They Walk Among Us, the award-winning true crime podcast. Please listen to Episode 74 for Part 1 of this two-part case. Letitia Stout continued to profess her innocence and, at one point, wanted to represent herself in court, but agreed to have public defenders assigned to her after losing her library privileges in prison because she had refused to go to the library during her allotted time. After numerous delays and an alleged jailbreak attempt by Letitia, the trial began before an 18-person jury in April 2023. Letitia had pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity in February of the previous year. District Attorney Michael Allen began his opening statement by telling the jury that the evidence in the case was to do with the defendant's sanity and whether she was sane at the time the crime was committed. The defense would not be disputing the evidence that proved Letitia had killed Gannon, but they would be trying to show that she was not guilty by reason of insanity. 
He took the jury through what the state believe happened on the day Gannon was killed. January 27, 2020, Gannon's home, located at 6627 Mandan Drive, here in Colorado Springs, Colorado, turned into the stuff of nightmares. In fact, the one place a little boy like Gannon should have felt the safest, his bedroom, turned mm. into, like I said, the stuff of nightmares. That bedroom is, in fact, where he was brutally murdered. The defendant attacked him viciously, mercilessly, deliberately, and intentionally. These are exhibits that you'll see from the doctor down in Florida, Dr. Ignacio, when she performed the autopsy. He'll tell you that Gannon suffered 18 stab wounds to his body, his chest, his back, his head, and most importantly, his arms and his hands. Why is that important? Gannon was fighting for his life, and those were defensive wounds. Next came a crushing blow to his head that was so strong, it fractured his skull like an eggshell. That wasn't enough for this defendant. He retrieved a 9mm handgun, fired it again in three times. Two bullets struck the pillow near him and were caught in the fibers of that pillow. That third bullet entered his jaw, traveled through his head, fracturing his mandible, his vertebrae, hitting his spinal cord, and lodged in the back of his head and was recovered at autopsy. Gannon's life drained from his body, drop by drop. The photo that's on the screen right now is a picture of his bedroom. Same mm-hmm. corner where he was in that picture or where you'll see him in a picture in the bed. Each one of those markers signifies a small blood drop that splattered across his wall. It ran down the corner of his mattress, soaked through the carpet, the carpet padding, and puddled on the concrete uh, foundation below that carpet. The defendant then took very deliberate action. She decided to hide her crimes from the world, and she took action to hide those crimes from the world. The DA said that Letitia's deliberate actions included hiding Gannon's body and bedding in a suitcase in a storage unit in the basement, cleaning the bedroom where he was killed, and even going as far as discarding the knife and shell casings. When the police arrived that night, Letitia claimed that Gannon had gone to a friend's house. And when they searched the house, they did not see the blood in his bedroom or the garage. The blood evidence was discovered during searches conducted over the following days. GPS data indicated that Letitia hid the suitcase containing Gannon's remains in Douglas County, where the bloody boards were eventually found on February 15th. Letitia had rented a van on February 1st and purchased a new mobile phone after hers had been seized by the police. After her brother and other family members helped her load her belongings, which included a large suitcase, into the van, Letitia and her daughter Harley left Colorado Springs. Two days later, Al Stoke was shown the security footage from his neighbor's home camera that showed Gannon and Letitia leaving together on the morning of January 27th. Letitia and Harley arrived in Pensacola, Florida the following day, February 4th, and checked into a hotel. According to the prosecution, Letitia acted deliberately when she left the hotel and drove to a bridge in the middle of the night, where she threw the suitcase over the edge, likely believing there was water below that would take it into the Gulf of Mexico. 
For the next two weeks, Letitia refused to cooperate with investigators. During wiretapped calls with Al, she continued to deny any involvement in Gannon's disappearance. Throughout the investigation, Letitia told numerous different stories and even tried to blame Gannon's mother, Landon, at one point. The prosecution argued that all of her actions were deliberate attempts to conceal her crime, something that did not support her claims of insanity. D.A. Allen told the jurors, At the conclusion of the evidence that we'll be presenting in this case, you'll be asked to determine whether the defendant is guilty or not guilty of the, of the charges that we've leveled against her. You'll also be asked to determine whether she was sane or insane at the time that she killed Gannon. All of her decisions, all of her deliberate actions, betray her claims of insanity. She knew that what she had done to Gannon was wrong. Why hide it? You'll hear her own voice through recorded phone calls and interviews. The evidence itself will prove her sanity. After the prosecution's opening statement finished, Letitia's attorney, Will Cook, presented her defense. Attorney Cook acknowledged that most people had already made up their minds about Letitia Stauk and about his representation of her. I can see it in your eyes, ladies and gentlemen. A lot of you, as far as you're concerned, I could burn in hell for representing Miss Stauk. A lot of you won't even make eye contact with me. I might as well just be the devil himself up here running his mouth. But I'm not. No different than those three at that table right there. Paid advocates. Order here in Guadir says they are paid advocates. Amy and I were paid advocates. They have their side of the story, and I just want to be heard. Want our side to be heard. And if at the end, guilty, but you weighed the evidence, you listened, you didn't prejudge the case, your biases, your sympathies, your prejudices that you had at the beginning of this trial. If you didn't let those come in, we're fair and impartial, but it's still guilty. I'll take that. He showed the jury a photograph Letitia had taken of her, Lena, and Gannon the day before he was killed. We've got a photo here. We've got some familiar-looking faces. Gannon, Letitia Stouch. Stepmom, stepson. Gannon's little sister in the back. Look at that. Looks like everybody's doing pretty good. Happy, sunny day. Maybe Miss Stout is doing a selfie, holding the camera out. And a win, a win would have this photo been taken the day before Gannon died, the day before he was killed. It wasn't a photo of evil, anger, the photo of someone by all accounts who was a loving stepmother, care of Gannon. Gannon's father was on a deployment. Douch worked as a teacher herself in the Whitefield School District, an elementary school teacher. Got a person that was, you know, living what seemed like the American dream in a nice suburban house in Morrison Ranch, the suburbs of Colorado Springs, Colorado. Defense attorney Cook said that behind Letitia's smile, she was hiding a traumatic childhood. He told the court that her mother was often absent and frequently introduced new men into the home, some of whom subjected Letitia to emotional, physical, and sexual abuse until her teens. Cook told the jury that in order to cope with the abuse, Letitia's personalities fragmented, and she developed dissociative identity disorder. This condition, which was once called multiple personality disorder, 
is something that is characterized by a person switching to an alternate identity which can leave them with memory gaps or a dissociative fugue. Cook said that while motive wasn't an element to be proven in the case, there was no motive, which he believed was consistent with her being insane at the time Gannon was killed. There is no reason. Doesn't make sense. It's insane. Smiling photo. Next day, Gannon's gone. No reason for it. Prosecution may say, oh, well, makes it that more tragic that it was such a pointless death of Gannon. I don't know. I'm not going to speculate on that. But there was some major psychotic crack that went on during this time. Go from teacher, loving stepmother, to two children, loving mother, to her own child, Harley, a person that and his father entrusted his own two kids, watched and loved and by this woman here, being a killer of an 11-year-old boy. How do, how, how do you get there? Big jump. There is no explanation for it. I don't have one. She broke on that day, ladies and gentlemen. She broke. Broke from all that was right. Made sense. And the axe, putting Cannon's body in a suitcase and traveling 1,300 miles, full of Florida and throwing the suitcase, Cannon's body in it, side of an overpass, you know, different stories she told. She was raped by somebody, person who raped her, kidnapped Gannon. Hear all the stories, the prosecution's gonna play it for you. <clears throat> These are all signs and evidence of a mind, a soul that is broken, most fundamental and profound way. So broken, doesn't even know what it was doing. What was going through that person's head? The killer Gannon's head. Doc's head. All the stab wounds, the shootings, the bruisings, the beatings, the burns. What was going through that person's head? I don't know. I don't know. Doc couldn't tell you. Or the person that she was killing that day, attacking, that wasn't Gannon. It wasn't Gannon to her. Wake up that day and go, I'm going to kill this. No. She was killing the demons her life from the dark depths of her childhood and her life. The following day, testimony began with Gannon's father, Al. Al spoke about his relationship with Letitia and how she had a history of lying and making false accusations to get her way. One example was when Al was stationed in Alaska with the National Guard, something Letitia did not want, and she accused one of his co-workers of sexual harassment, resulting in Al being transferred to Colorado. 
On another occasion, she lied about being pregnant with twins and multiple break-ins at the house in Colorado Springs. L was then asked about Gannon's relationship with Letitia. Trusting. I, I'm c- comfortable saying I think he had love in his heart for her. I don't think he was afraid of her or any fear for her. I, one of the things about Gannon that is special, and I think it's special about Lolling young boys, he, he absolutely loved his mom. And he had some of that same love for Tisha, too. Al said that he realized something wasn't right when Letitia picked him up from the airport in a rental car and told him that her car was parked at the school where she worked. Yeah, that was the key moment when I switched from she knows more than she's telling me she knows. After Letitia left the house, Al's suspicions increased when Gannon's blood was found. He began to assist in the investigation. Recorded calls between Al and Letitia were played to the court. Al could be heard questioning Letitia's varying accounts of what happened to Gannon. Like I said, I had to go get my clothes changed and everything just so I could blend in better. And I want you to know that no matter what, no matter no matter what, we can work through this together and I can help you, okay? But you just got to let me help you. But I have a very, you told me to be straight up. I got a very straight up question, okay? Are you ready? Yeah. Did you kill Gannon? I need to know. I need you to answer me yes or no right now. I killed The you? answer is no. I can't believe you asked me this. I just got to know you. I told me to be straight up. I got to know what's happening to my son. I Tell me why you would think I killed Gannon. There's a lot, there's a lot of unknowns. I mean, you I, I, being straight up again, you changed your story again to me for the fourth time. No, I changed my story. You did. This is the fourth version of the same story. Okay. Wow. I, 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 like half of what you told me today, cut foot. And now he's got burned arms and picking it and his butt's bleeding. All this stuff is is new to what you told me the other day. And the other day you told me that you cleaned up the area where you got raped so nobody would see it. But now you told me you just changed clothes. I just don't know what the hell's going on. I didn't tell you. First off, you never even listened to me about anything that went I on. did. I No, you stopped because I listened to you. I listened to you, and then I went and got the guns and put them in the truck, and then I came back and listened. Me and Landon listened to you, and then I stopped and picked your story apart. So get it straight, Tisha. I listened to you, and I said, if I'm wrong about the rape, I will get on my knees and beg you for forgiveness. Did I not say that? Yeah, but you haven't. Exactly, because I haven't been proven wrong yet. I want the truth. If I'm wrong, if the, if, if the, the police, no matter what they're doing, the FBI, the CBI, the CBS, whoever, okay, if they tell me I'm wrong, I will publicly, in front of the world, get on a camera and tell you I'm sorry. But until that happens, we're going to find the truth. How can you tell me that someone didn't co- I don't understand. How can you tell me that someone didn't do something to hurt me and take in? I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you... It hasn't been proven one way or the other. You said you banged your head on the freaking table. Uh, now I got to tell them to go check out the table and see if there's any blood or, or any of your. You knew that. They had already asked that. Okay, but that's the first I heard of it. You see what you see? What I'm saying? You never would talk to me. You literally just sat here in a conversation and asked me, "Did I kill our child?" Yes, I did because I, I because if you say no, then I can't. I I'll stop thinking that you did it. Okay. I don't know what to think. My the, my son's blood. You're telling me his blood's all over the walls, and now you're telling they telling me uh, the Mexican guy that had the gun to your head or whatever took him away, and he knows him, and he could be anywhere. Hold on, gun 
so where did you get that piece from? That was where that. So now you got me twisting all your stories up because that was from the first time you told me the rape story that he had a gun to your head. You told me it was your so, gun. You told me, but you first you told me it was your gun. So that's fine. I'm I'm not debating the points here. But. I said the black one. Okay. Okay. Fine. But I mean. You know in your heart I would never hurt Danny. I Yes, I, I absolutely believe that. I, but I'm doing everything I can to help you right now. It, 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 but, but Tisha, listen. Tisha, listen. The thing is, if you don't, but it's not just, it, I asked you if, you if you killed him. You said no. And I'm sorry, that was a hard question. But if you know anything or you did anything or are just upset about it, we can we can work together and I can help you. But I can't help you if you don't tell me anything. It's just there's so many unknowns, Tisha. Oh my god! I mean, was it, what did anything happen that was an accident that you just that you're scared about? Really? I'm just trying to, Tisha. You know, you know, with my army training, I'm trained to do ask all these questions to get us in a safe place, right? And that's why I took the guns out from the get go. That's just my training kicking in. Oh my god! I really thought like I. I thought out of this conversation, like I really thought you were going to be supportive of me. I thought you were going to bring your family back together. And I thought that we were going to talk about everything, every single day of nothing but Dan. That's what I'm trying to do. For a second, you would ask me to Well, I'm glad you said no. That That gives me a lot of hope and peace. Okay, Tisha, let me ask you this way then. I don't believe you killed him. Did did something bad happen to him and he maybe maybe he is dead or not with us anymore and, and you just panicked and didn't know what to do? I mean, is there anything like that? Just any information is what I need. I just just I can we can help you. I can help you get through this. More recordings were played the following day, including a call from February fourteenth, twenty twenty. Letitia could be heard telling Al that it hurt her when he asked if she had killed Gannon. I killed Gannon. That hurt. It hurt me to ask it because you're my wife, and you know, I first thing I started with today was Happy Valentine's Day. That should tell you how I feel about you, okay? But I need you to be here with me, supportive. I am. I'm right. I'm. I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm begging you. If they give me immunity, I will help. Okay, but I. So here's. Okay, well, that's why I'm here. I'm trying to under, I, you know, I'm not, you, you have the legal background, okay? I don't have that knowledge. All I have is my recruiting time and uh, the other stuff I've done. So you need to help me understand what you're trying to get. I don't understand what that means. Immunity, okay? You know what, do you know what immunity is? I, other than what I've seen on TV shows, I don't know. I need you to help me. That's what I'm trying to, I mean, help me to get you to that point. Hello? Community is going to grant. I'm a judge. But I will not be charged anything in this. Because I did not even get to do with it. In return, that I will testify and I will give them the information of who I'm getting and I will testify against them. Okay. So you're saying, so 
So I'm going to walk back through this so I understand clearly what you're saying. So there's no no ambiguity or unknowns here. So you're saying you somehow know what, where Gannon is or who has him or how he got him or something like that? I'm not. I'm trying to understand, Tisha. I'm not. I'm explain to me, okay? Walk me through it so I understand what you're saying. No, why? Why would I record you? This is me and you. I, I mean, why would I say Happy Valentine's Day on a recording? That's something personal between us. You and it's just you and me on this phone call and in your room. Absolutely. Okay. The is where I'm telling you, I told you the truth about Mr. Gannon. There's more details about how that went on. There's more details that I can't discuss and that would incriminate myself because they're going to say, why did you say this? But they have, he has all our information. He was threatened to go to work and get massaged and be happy people go there. If I did not, if I said anything in the meeting with the cops, I was late to the meeting. But I need immunity. So you... So why uh, what I don't understand is why they why would is this not something you would tell me from the get go? I, I, I just Al also told the court that he believed Letitia was absolutely sane and he had from the time he had met her. Later that day, the court heard testimony from Macon Ponder the bridge inspector who found the suitcase containing Gannon's remains. He recalled unzipping the suitcase. When we finally went ahead and unzipped the rest of it, the, the, the smell was so overpowering, we, you know, we kind of stepped, took a step back. And the first thing I remember seeing was just two little feet and that had little football socks on them. The best I remember, that's I remember to be in little socks on them. And before I could... Before anything else happened, we couldn't really make out what it was. Um, Matt dumped the suitcase over, and of course, we initially um, immediately knew it was a body. But after looking at it, it was um, we, we couldn't tell male or female, um, boy or girl. We just we didn't know. Um, a lot of black hair. I just and then I turned away. On the fourth day of the trial, the court heard from Nicole Mobley, who lived close to the stock residence. Nicole said that she had only met Letitia once before Gannon went missing. After she heard about Gannon's disappearance, she joined in the searches for him and messaged Letitia on Facebook to ask where they should be looking for Gannon. Letitia had blocked Nicole after receiving the message without any explanation. But a few weeks later, Nicole messaged her again from a new account, and Letitia responded. The messages were exchanged on February 19, 2020. Letitia told Nicole about a man sexually assaulting her and abducting Gannon. Letitia then asked Nicole to lie to the police and tell them she had seen someone take Gannon. Letitia sent Nicole a photograph of Gannon in his bed from the morning he went missing and wrote, What if you just said you remembered something suspicious seeing this picture and explained the description and you didn't think it was relevant until now? because the kid had the same cover. I swear to you, I didn't do this. I just need help with someone getting this out there so they can start posting in other states. Nicole did not believe Letitia and immediately informed the police. 
The body cam footage from the officers who went to the house on the night Gannon was reported missing was played to the court. At one point, Letitia can be heard saying she is almost positive that Gannon was with someone he knew because he had searched on his phone. Can my parents find me if my phone is off? The investigators believe Letitia had, in fact, made that search on Gannon's phone, as it was written similarly to her own searches, where she had put a period instead of a space between words. The search had been made shortly before 2 p.m. on January 27th, before Letitia and Gannon returned home after going to Petco. Letitia had claimed to have left her phone at home that day and even texted her daughter from Gannon's phone to tell her to text him if she wanted to contact her, but that message was sent from Gannon's phone before they even left the house. This was evidence that Letitia planned on using Gannon's phone to make it look like he had run away. The following day, the court heard from reporter Spencer Wilson, who had recorded an interview with Letitia on January 31st. At this point, Letitia had left the family home and was obviously bitter about Al's ex-wife, Landon, staying in the house while they searched for Gannon. In the aired interview, Letitia had been asked if she had a message for Gannon. She said that when he got back, he would be able to truly tell what happened and she hoped that she would get a sincere apology from everyone, especially her husband. Spencer Wilson told the court that Letitia had asked to re-record her message at the end of the interview. When the camera came back on, she started crying, which she had not done the first time. We just wanted to add a message to Gannon from my family, is that we love you, we miss you, and we hope that you come home soon. And Gannon, I can't wait till you can come home and let everyone know that you're okay. We love you. Testimony also came from Dr. Susan Ignacio, the medical examiner who had performed Gannon's autopsy. She testified that Gannon had been stabbed 18 times, but the wounds were not fatal. His death had been caused either by the numerous blows to the head he sustained or the single gunshot wound to the head. The doctor was asked about the drugs found in Gannon's system, hydrocodone and acetaminophen. She said that acetaminophen was an over-the-counter medication that could be used to treat pain and fever, but hydrocodone was a prescription narcotic that would not typically be prescribed to a young child. Al Stock told the court that he had been prescribed hydrocodone at one point for an injury to his finger. Letitia was the only other person in the house to know that the medication was still in the home. The jury also heard that the bullets retrieved from Gannon's head and from the pillow found in the suitcase with him all came from the same gun, the gun that was found in the house that had Letitia's DNA on it. Calls between Letitia Stauk and a representative of a company called FakePolygraph.com were played for the court. Letitia had paid for a fake lie detector test on the website on February 18th, and she had called because she never got confirmation of her payment. On the website, users can choose their own questions and results to be displayed on an official-looking document. Letitia's chosen questions were, do you intend to answer these questions regarding your stepson truthfully? Is your birthday August 4th, 1983? 
Did you participate in any way in causing harm to your stepson? Did your stepson return with you to your home? Did you participate in any way in causing the death of your stepson? The company had refused to send the report based on her questions as they reserved the right not to send it if they believed any illegal activity was involved. Letitia's brother, Dakota Lowry, took the stand the following day. After confirming his name, Dakota became overwhelmed with emotion and called out to his sister, asking her, Why, Tisha? After a few minutes' break, Dakota said that he and other family members had flown to Colorado Springs to support Letitia after Gannon went missing. He said that at the time, they felt she was being falsely accused of wrongdoing. Dakota told the court that Letitia had rented a van to drive to South Carolina on February 1st, and he had helped her load her belongings into the back. At one point, he saw her carrying a heavy green suitcase and offered to help, but she refused, saying there was just softball equipment inside. Dakota said that he believed Letitia had snapped and killed Gannon, but after learning how much she had done to cover her tracks, he no longer thought she was insane at the time. On the seventh day of the trial, Detective Jessica Bethel took the jury through various interviews with Letitia Stock in the days after Gannon vanished. Detective Bethel told the court that Letitia had been evasive, but eventually agreed to come into the sheriff's office on January 29th. It was during this interview that Letitia claimed to have been sexually assaulted by a man called Eduardo, a story which eventually evolved a number of times during the investigation. Blood spatter experts testified about the blood evidence discovered in the house and on the boards found in Douglas County. Then, Letitia's daughter, Harley, who was 17 years old at the time of Gannon's death, took the stand. Investigators had discovered that Letitia and Harley had traveled to Pensacola, Florida on February 4, 2020. Evidence showed they had stayed at the Candlewood Suites that night, a place that was just over three miles from where Gannon's body was later found. The prosecution alleged that Letitia had left the hotel in the middle of the night to drive to the bridge and throw the suitcase containing Gannon's remains over the edge. She likely believed that there was water flowing below the bridge. Harley was asked if she knew the suitcase was in the rental van and if she had helped her mother throw the suitcase off of the bridge. She adamantly denied that she had any involvement. Harley told the court that she had learned not to question her mother's actions because she would be hit if her mother thought she was being disrespectful. Harley agreed to cooperate with the prosecution after her mother's arrest because she thought it was the right thing to do. She was asked if she believed her mother was mentally ill. She said she did not. Um, I'm still in shock. I defended her for years, and I just feel like manipulated and lied to. <laughs> the twelfth day of the trial was taken up by testimony from former FBI agent Jonathan Grusing, who had interviewed Letitia after her arrest on March 2nd. The interview begins with Letitia speaking as though she does not know she is under arrest or that Gannon had been murdered. So Letitia and John Grusing with the FBI met you in the mall parking lot. Do you know why you're here? Did they inform you, the officers, of why you're under arrest? 
Mandarin. Yes. For Gannon uh, Stops. Uh, a warrant was issued out of Colorado. Okay, but no, someone could have just called me. Yeah, and apologize for that. Uh, because of the nature of the warrant, it being a murder warrant, there's, there's, and that's what I'd like to talk with you about today. That's why we're not having a cast of thousands here and whatever, is we would like to get to the bottom of what happened there. Um, I know that a lot of things have gone on with your life, a little bit of how this turns out. Okay. But because you were arrested, you're not free to leave. I need you to explain of advice to rights before we can talk. Well, I mean, so I'm getting charged with what now? Agent Grusing told Letitia that he believed something bad happened to Gannon and that she knew more than she was telling investigators. He also questioned her about searches she had made on her phone. These searches included blood spurting from arterial bleed. I don't like my stepson. Quotes a suicidal person might say and how to get blood out of sheets. Letitia refused to admit to any involvement in Gannon's death or disappearance throughout the lengthy interview. The following week, expert testimony from mental health professionals was heard after cell phone data expert Kevin Clark went through a detailed timeline of Letitia's search history. During the time that Letitia had claimed to be held at gunpoint by Eduardo or Quincy Brown, she had actually been using her phone. She even had a phone call with Al, where she acted as though everything was fine. Lena arrived home from school at 3.15 p.m. During an interview, she told investigators that Letitia had told her to go out and play on her bike because Gannon was sleeping. Harley arrived home from work at 4.37 p.m. and left the house less than 15 minutes later with Lena. At the time, Letitia texts Harley saying, Carpet powders? Two things. Baking soda? Trash bags. At 6.27 p.m., Letitia sent a text message to Al and told him that Gannon said he was going to a friend's house, and she had told him to come home at 6. Al responds and tells her to send Lena. After calling 911 and reporting Gannon missing, Searches begin throughout the neighborhood. Mr. Clark spoke about messages between Letitia and Al that night where Letitia complained about not getting enough sympathy. From 2.46 a.m. to 3 o'clock a.m., what is that? The message from the defendant to Mr. Stout saying, no one is ever supportive to step-parents, like they mean nothing when I did beyond my part. Mr. Stout replies with, OMG, what are you talking about? Gannon is missing and you are worried about what people are saying to you? The defendant replies with, I have no one to talk to. What? No one said anything to me. Mr. Stalk replies with, dozens of people were out looking and people brought you food. The defendant responds with, I was telling you how I felt and that all I has here was the Lorson Ranch people. Mr. Stalk replies with, Gannon has no one right now. That's who has no one to talk to. And the defendant replies with, meaning I had other friends here. You totally read it wrong. There was no one putting myself over this. You are my husband. I was saying my feelings. You completely took it wrong. I never discredited anything. You were saying people were talking to you. Forget I even mentioned having chest pains. I wasn't taking away anything. I was saying they were worse, and I wish I had someone to help. Regardless, I'm human. 
a person too who has pain and worried. What do you mean he has no one? He is talking with his friends, maybe not good friends. He is coming home once he sees the news. All I'm saying is talk to me like you haven't said anything about yourself. The following morning, Letitia used Gannon's phone to text his mom, Landon, and tell her that she was going out searching for him, even though she never did. The next entry is at 6.35 a.m. What is up? A message from Gannon's phone sent to uh, Landon, uh, Gannon's mom, saying, I'm heading out with the neighbor searchers. And then um, Landon responded with, find my baby, please. Did, was there any um, evidence that the defendant went out searching at that particular time in the morning? No. Uh, in fact, as you'll see uh, in a few minutes, the Tiguan backs into the garage and the garage door closes. Okay. The next entry is at 6.36 a.m. What is that entry? This is where the Tiguan backs into the garage and, uh, and, and stays there until uh, it leaves to go uh, to the airport again to pick up Al. Messages between Letitia and Al as he was trying to get back to Colorado Springs from Oklahoma show her manipulating him and trying to make the situation about herself. After saying that she did not want to stay in the house if Landon was, Al did not try to change her mind. So Letitia cruelly made him think that he had missed a tip about Gannon being seen. Stalk says, okay. The defendant says, can you call me? And uh, Mr. Stalk says, in a minute. And then the defendant says, well, somebody saw him, but I guess you are too busy talking to someone else instead. Messages also showed that as Letitia was collecting Al from the airport, she texted her daughter and told her to move her car into the garage, which the prosecution believed was done to cover bloodstains on the wooden boards on the floor of the garage. At 12.57 p.m. that day, Letitia googled, Can Nintendo find my Switch? She also tells Al that she thinks the investigators are treating them like crap, and they shouldn't speak to them separately or without an attorney. Over the next few days, Letitia berates Al for turning against her, and he tries to get her to cooperate and tell the detectives where Gannon is. Messages between Harley's phone and Al's were also shown to the court, where Al repeatedly expresses concern for Harley and tells her she can come home and that he wants her to be safe. The prosecution alleged that the responses from Harley's phone that blamed Al for the social media barrage against Letitia actually came from Letitia, who had her phone seized by the police. After Harley and Letitia traveled to Florida, where Letitia dumped Gannon's remains, they then went to South Carolina. Here, Letitia purchased another phone on February 8th, her third phone since Gannon vanished. On February 15th, Letitia posted a video on Facebook of Gannon standing on a dock and waving. He said goodbye before jumping into the water. Three days later, she attempted to buy a fraudulent lie detector report on fakepolygraph.com. On February 21st, Letitia asked her neighbor Nicole to lie to the police and say she saw someone leave with Gannon. Mr. Clark then went through searches Letitia Stock made on each of the cell phones she owned. Before Gannon went missing, Letitia made many searches that displayed her contempt for her marriage and situation, including... I wonder if my husband's ex-wife is sending me a card since I raise her kids. Find me a rich guy who wants me to take care of his kids. And husband uses me to babysit his kids. 
After Gannon went missing, she searched for web articles on runaway child procedures and being granted immunity for gang-related crimes. When Letitia moved to South Carolina and got a new phone, she googled how to hide her phone's IP address. And then what is the next search on February 21st, 2020? 11.26 a.m. Search efforts for Gannon Stout. The next one on February 21st, 2020? 6.46 p.m. I need, and it was misspelled uh, M-E-E-D, to change my look to hide. And the next search on February 21st, 2020? 6.47 p.m., face disguise. The next search on February 21st, 2020? 6.49 p.m., full face, and then change, but it's misspelled C-H-A-M-G-E. And the next search on February 21st, 2020? 6.51 p.m., first face transplant woman. The next search on February 21st, 2020? Also at 6.51 p.m., full face transplant. The next search on February 21st, 2020? 6.51 p.m., face, but it's misspelled F-A-V-E. Transplant near me. Uh, the next search on February 21st, 2020? 6.53 p.m. Full face plastic surgery. The next search on February 21st, 2020? 6.56 p.m. Full face plastic surgery, Atlanta. Uh, those searches as it relates to this um, plastic surgery, face transplant, and that sort of thing, in your mind, did that indicate um, an effort to change her appearance to evade the investigation? Yes. Letitia continued to make searches about the search for Gannon and drug cartels over the following days. She made more disturbing searches on February 26th, 27th, and 28th. And then the remainder of the searches on this Exhibit 721, do they all occur on February 26th of 2020? They do. All right, let's start with the first one. What is it? 6.18 a.m. Do they check in ditches under bridges? The next search on February 26th, 2020? 6.18 a.m. Maintenance under ditches, under bridges. The next search on February 26, 2020? 6.57 a.m. Can I get a plea with no jail time? But time is misspelled, just I-M-E. The next search on February 26, 2020? 7 a.m. Criminally negligent homicide in Colorado. Are there seven searches that occurred on February 27, 2020? There are. What is the first search? 7.03 a.m. How do police tell whose body has been found? Um, considering the circumstances in this case uh, where Gannon's body had not been found for um, a number of days, uh, almost two full months, uh, does that seem to indicate from your perspective uh, some knowledge that uh, it's going to be difficult to identify Gannon's remains? It, it indicates to me that there's research being done to see how difficult uh, it would be. What is the next search on February 27, 2020? 7.58 a.m., can God help me escape jail time, and escape is misspelled E-S-C-A-O-E. The next search on February 27, 2020? 8.05 a.m., how do, period, they identify whose, misspelled W-H-L-S, blood is at the scene. The next search on February 27, 2020? 8.35 a.m., find people who want to go to, period, jail. The next search on February 27, 2020? 8.58 a.m. Spanish girl names. Is Maria Sanchez a Spanish girl name? Very traditional, yes. Is little Lucia potentially a Spanish girl name? Lucia is, yes. Uh, the next search on February 27, 2020? 9.04 a.m. Petco, Nevada, Colorado Springs. Was that a point of reference in this investigation? Three times. 
And then the final search on February 27, 2020, what is it? 10 a.m., find an immigrant who will admit to a crime. And then are there a number, let me count them, one, two, 11 searches that occurred on February 28th. There are. That are relevant to this investigation. Yes. What is the first one on February 28th, 2020? 7.02 a.m., how long does a body start to decompose in a bag? Does that indicate um, specific knowledge about the condition in which Gannon's body was packaged and discarded? Yes. In what way? He was found in a suitcase. Uh, the next search on February 28, 2020? 7.03 a.m. What does, misspelled W-G-A-T-F-O-E-S, what does a dead body look like after a month? And is this basically one month after Gannon had went missing? Yes. What is the next search on February 28, 2020? 7.04 a.m. What does a dead body look like after a month? Spelled correctly this time. And the next search on February 28, 2020? 8.12 a.m. Active drug, misspelled D-R-I-G, cartels in Mexico. The next search on February 28, 2020? 8.23 a.m. Bluff my call free. What is the next search on February 28, 2020? 8.33 a.m. Address of period drug cartels, and drug is misspelled D-E-U-G. And then the next search, what is it on February 28, 2020? 8.36 a.m., current drug cartels, misspelled D-E-I-G, in Colorado, misspelled C-O-L-O-R-A-O-D, Springs, misspelled S-P-R-I-N-S-G. What is the next search on February 28, 2020? 7.44 p.m., how period does the FBI find people, and people's misspelled P-E-O-O-P-L-E. Did the defendant find out how the FBI finds people in this case? Oh, she found out. Uh, what is the next search on February 28, 2020? 7.49 p.m. How period does the FBI find fugitives? In the final search on February 28, 2020. 7.49 p.m. How period does the FBI find fugitives? And then how fugitives avoid capture? In the days before she was arrested, Letitia also Googled for answers on how to fake her fingerprints. The first psychologist to take the stand was Dr. Christine Moore, who conducted Letitia's first mental health assessment in El Paso County Jail three days after her arrest. Dr. Moore said that Letitia did not present with any symptoms of dissociative personality disorder. Dr. Jackie Grimmett, forensic psychologist, testified that she believed Letitia was feigning symptoms of mental illness, something that another forensic psychologist Dr. Loandra Torres agreed with. Dr. Torres had diagnosed Letitia with a personality disorder with borderline and narcissistic traits after an evaluation in 2022, but felt as though she was competent to stand trial. Letitia had claimed to have multiple personalities, including Maria Sanchez, Victoria, and Taylor, and said she created the personalities and could switch between them. Dr. Torres was asked if this was consistent with a diagnosis of dissociative identity disorder. When it comes to dissociative identity disorder, that's not the understanding in terms of what that looks like. It's not about creating or having control over several distinct personalities. In short, it's when somebody is experiencing two or more personality states, and it's usually accompanied by some sort of amnesia, blackouts, a period of not remembering what you were doing. Um, it's, a, it's a complex diagnosis. 
essentially the the different personality states themselves are not controlled. Letitia had said that her personality, Maria, had been in control when she attacked the deputy transporting her back to Colorado after her arrest. The defense expert, psychiatrist Dr. Dorothy Lewis, had heard about Maria during her evaluation of Letitia. In one portion of the recorded interview Dr. Lewis had with Letitia, she apparently becomes Maria and partially confesses to the murder, but claims she saw a man in a cape and had shot him to protect the family. Letitia can be heard speaking with an accent described in court as Russian and saying she was trained to kill. Dr. Lewis believed that Letitia had dissociative personality disorder and was insane when she killed Gannon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Closing arguments began on day 20 of the trial. Prosecutor Dave Young presented the state's closing statement. He told the jury that Gannon's injuries alone showed that Letitia was not psychotic. She was strategic. Just by looking at these injuries, what does your common sense tell you? Without Dr. Ignacio's testimony, Gannon was defending himself. He was fighting off despite having hydrocodone in his system. Made him lethargic. He somehow was able to fight her off. The injuries to his fingers, the injuries to his arms. 18 times. 18 times she took a knife at him. The locations of the stab wounds. What does that tell you? Use your common sense. It's not psychotic. It's strategic. The stab wounds are to the chest. As Gannon's fighting, the stab wounds are to his back. But it's not just stab wounds. You know that. (laughs) He has to use judgment and reflection to get another weapon. What that weapon was, who knows? But she got a weapon and hit him in the skull four separate times. Go to the next diagram. I forgot to mention the strategic stab wound to his neck just underneath his ear, which we see in People's Exhibit 145. The diagram doesn't do justice to the skull fracture that she caused in him. And I'm not gonna show you pictures, but I think, remember those pictures? Completely obliterated the skull. The amount of force it takes to do that, judgment, reflection. The next exhibit shows the injuries that he had to the top of his head. Four separate strikes to his head. Wasn't good enough. Wasn't good enough for her. So judgment, reflection, she goes and gets a handgun. She fires that handgun three times. I don't know how those bullets stay in the pillow. I don't, I, we can rack our brain for ages. I don't know how those bullets stayed in that pillow. I don't know that we'll ever know how those bullets stayed in that pillow. What matters is the bullet that went into Gannon. The bullet matched the gun really she used that was still in the house. Mr. Young said that if Letitia did not have the capacity to know right from wrong, she would not have hidden Gannon's body. There's only one right verdict in this case. That's guilty. 
to each and every charge that she's charged with. First degree murder after deliberation, first degree murder child under the age of 12, tampering with the deceased body, and tampering with physical evidence. Defense attorney Josh Tallini argued that the prosecution had not proved that Letitia was sane at the time of the murder. The one thing they cannot answer, because there is no answer, is motive. Motive for why this happened. Motive how we can go from this picture on a hike up at Garden of the Gods, loving, kind, to less than 24 hours later. Brutal rage. 18 stab wounds. Four blood force trauma. Shot. This wasn't a pre-planned, calculated killing for some gain. This was a psychotic break, fueled by rage, attacking a demon from the past. They cannot come up with a motive because there is no motive that makes sense, ladies and gentlemen. They have tried. They have spent hundreds, if not thousands of hours trying to come up with one. They have gone through phones. They have gone through iCloud accounts. They have gone through Facebook messages. They've interviewed everybody who they could possibly think of to try to find some motive. None of what they have done in this, the biggest investigation in the history of El Paso County has come up with a motive. No one who they have ever interviewed has ever said that she ever had a problem with Gannon. No one who they have ever interviewed has ever said she was ever mean to Gannon. No one who they've ever interviewed or come across anything has said she's ever done anything wrong to Gannon until that horrible day when this happens. That is the evidence and the most strong evidence to know this was not premeditated murder. This is a psychotic break. That is the only thing that makes sense. And when you can pull yourself back and peel back the layers of the anger over the act, at the anger over the deceit in which it happened, at the anger over Gannon's body being driven all the way to Florida, when we take those emotions back and we try to look at this rationally, the only thing that possibly makes sense is a psychotic break. There is no other rational explanation to understand why this happened other than that. In rebuttal to the defense assertion that the level of violence indicated psychosis, DA Michael Allen said it only proved Letitia's determination to kill Gannon. Hey, Mr. Tallini brought up the idea that the brutality itself proves psychosis. Is that true? Does the brutality itself prove psychosis from this defendant? The evidence has the answer for you. The defendant's own actions has the answer for you. The brutality of it speaks to the abject hatred she had for Gannon and the pure determination she had to kill Gannon. This didn't start in one snap moment. When did this start? Sunday night. Sunday night with the candle. A candle incident that makes no sense, according to the way that she describes it to people, because she wants to make it Gannon's fault. Does that make sense? Mr. Stout told you the answer to that question. Harley told you the answer to that question. Gannon didn't play with fire. He would never go downstairs and just light candles randomly. He had a long history of having stomach issues where he'd get backed up and then have issues with it. And yet this day, he poops himself, and so he's got to go burn a candle to mask the smell, even though he'd never done it any other time in his entire life? Does that make sense? Or does it make more sense that this defendant burnt him? That's the start of the attack, ladies and gentlemen. Sunday night, and it continues with the hydrocodone. A prescription for a full-grown man is given to Gannon. That goes into the morning time. That's why he's lethargic. He can't get out of bed early like he normally would. 
He's walking slowly to the pickup truck at about 10, 15 in the morning when they leave the house because he's under the influence of hydrocodone. And then she drives him around, leaving him in the car. He's probably passed out in the car. Doesn't make any sense to leave an 11-year-old boy in a car unless there's something wrong, something that she did to him. And this picture from Garden of the Gods, these two pictures that she sends Alice out that morning again and in bed. Mr. Tallini again is inviting you to speculate as to the reason for those pictures, saying she's just a loving stepmother. What are those pictures? Think about that picture from Garden of the Gods in relation to the pictures that she sends Al Stout. They're proof of life pictures. They're pictures that she is sending out to prove to the world that she had nothing to do with what she's about to do. Why would she send pictures of Gannon in bed to Al Stout? except for a proof-of-life picture, a way to cover her tracks, and it starts early, right? They want you to think that this was some, some sort of a temporary snap, that on opening statements, when Mr. Cook dramatically walks out of the courtroom, says this is way too worse, we can't handle this, uh, it's a crack in her psychosis, and then we hear it again today from Mr. Tallini. The jury were sent to deliberate And on Monday, May 8, 2023, they reached a verdict. Letitia Stock was found guilty of first-degree murder, tampering with a body, and tampering with evidence. The sentencing portion got underway immediately after the verdict was returned. Victim impact statements were read by numerous members of Gannon's family, including his great-uncle, Jeff Davenport, and his grandparents. In her statement, Gannon's mother, Landon, drew a heartbreaking comparison between the beginning and end of his life. That is something that can never be taken away from me. Mm-hmm. You came into this world fighting. And unfortunately, you left this world fighting. Your Honor, she fought against someone that he loved and trusted. Someone that myself and Albert both trusted and loved. Someone who can never understand what it means to love or trust anyone but herself. For more than three agonizing years, I've often wondered what I may say or if I would even be able to. For three years, I have questioned every single possibility and scenario. For three years, I have tried to forgive you, but I can't. I want to. But no parent should have to bury their child. No parent should have to see or hear the horrific things you to the whole family, she has taken away the most precious gift in this world. Not just my family, not Al's family, but your own family. She destroyed dozens of lives, lives of people who never wanted to believe that she could have done this. She knew how special Gannon was, and she knew what me- meant to most of me. I in my heart can never understand her hatred and insecurities when it came to me. I did love her. Mother to mother, I trusted her with my children while trying to survive a complicated life with my third child. And you used, she used every opportunity to write a narrative of my life to, again, to try to take pieces of my life. When she already took some of it, that still wasn't enough, even to this day. Even after you murdered him and she tried to taint any positive image of him, 
He has caused families and communities to come together. Children and adults have given their life to Christ. He has called unity in times of trial. He is a hero. You even, she even tried to steal that away. A cape, huh? The one image of Ganon that was created for the world. After it went national, TV begging for the return of my son, my hero. How dare her? How truly sick and cruel is she? You stole so much from this world, Gannon's cousins, aunts, uncles, sisters, new siblings, grandparents, and friends are missing a huge portion of their lives without Gannon. Lena is missing her brother. Your Honor, I've never seen a bond between two siblings so close as theirs. She had to take that. Why? I'm afraid we may never know that answer, will we? I show his baby sister, Nova pictures and videos of Gannon so she will always remember who he is because she stole him from us. He is not forgotten and never will be. And it's so sad to sit here today and face her, a person even Gannon loved, one that I know while she was attacking and killing him and fought for his life, he defended himself against her, still loving her, a love she never deserved from him for what she has done. While you are, while she is too much of a coward to even come forward with the truth, she owes it to Gannon. But the lack of remorse and the lack of respect to Gannon through this child, her lack of compassion shows me that she and we, well, we were all wrong. She manipulated all of us and never loved Gannon, Lena, or Harley. I've sat here for over a month having to listen to her sick lies, even as she tried to destroy who I was and Albert at, as a father. I've had to sit and listen and watch every reenactment of images no one wants left in their mind. Gannon's father, Al, then made his statement. As I stated in my testimony on the stand, Gannon was support, born severely premature and barely filled my two hands the first time I held him. At the end of his life, after his body was cremated into a pile of ashes, he was ultimately no bigger than the first time I held him. As brutal as the weight became, I'm thankful to God and the bridge workers for finding him and returning his precious body to Landon and I. I quote the poem Invictus again, not to boast of my strength and perseverance, Your Honor, healthily where he lay. The impact Tisha had as a result of this heinous crime stretches far wider and far deeper than I could depict in my statement today. Two other people torn to pieces as a result of this are Gannon's sister, Lena, and Harley. Speaking of Harley, I feel as though as I've lost two children as a result of this tragedy, one of which I will never see on this earth again, and the other which I do not know if a relationship can be salvaged with. Now for Lena. The video you saw as, as submitted in evidence, her bebopping down the street is actually an excellent depiction of Lena and her happiness and her joy in life. She is very loving, trusting, and at times way too social. Normally, you might be concerned by your little girl talking to the utility guy working in the front yard. But in this case, it was the inside of her own home that was of grave concern. Nonetheless, her loss, Lena's loss, is like none I can even imagine. She lost her big brother, her only brother at the time. I still do not know if she has fully processed or fully understands the gravity of the situation. But regardless, has pressed forward and is thriving as best as she can. I am so proud of her. And these are her words. Once again, they're in yellow, so I'll do the best I can. And this is what I asked her if she wanted to say anything to Tisha, and this is what she said in her sweetest mind that she has, that you do, do, that you do not do that to people, especially your stepkids, and that it is never all right to do these things. How sweeter of a response can you get? 
Now for my precious, premature firstborn son. Get it? I never in my wildest dreams would have ever thought you'd be in danger, buddy. Or I'd know I wouldn't have not left you at home with what turned out to be your murderer and the last person to ever see you on this earth. <laughs> Through a father's eyes, children are truly a gift from God. And among the best and most perfect creations God can make. Your Honor, I do need to clear one thing up with the defense. It was said both in the opening statement and in the closing. Somehow, again, it has been compared to a demon. And I understand the process. I do. But if they want to take the case up of Gannon being a demon, I will line people up from Alaska to Denver to Colorado Springs all the way to South Carolina to testify against them. Gannon was nobody's demon. I don't care how much anyone was abused or anything. He was not anyone's demon. Oh, okay. Gannon was truly... Gannon was truly my buddy. Very recently before he died, the most alarming thing he did was call me dad. Up until age 10 or 11, I was daddy. But in the last months of his life, I was just dad. A signal that he was coming into those junior high, pre-teenage years. Another amazing thing that is he finally started asking me regularly to play ball with him. He was never too much into sports for most of his life, but that last six to nine months, he really started enjoying playing ball. Some of the most memorable times were him running little five-yard football routes in the street in front of our house. Most of the time, he dropped the ball, but he kept asking, let's do it again. I almost had it that time, Daddy. Oh, and that Nintendo Switch. One of the most difficult pieces of evidence to give up was his Nintendo. His dad probably has the most of him on it. Knowing I may never see that again is truly devastating. For him, many of his games were not just games, but a challenge to overcome, as I made him beat specific games before I would buy him the next one. I remember not long before he died, him beating the old-school Zelda game he had. As he felt he was getting close to beating the final monster, he paused it, ran upstairs, and we sat at the kitchen island, and he beat, he beat it right there together with me. He was as excited as I ever saw him. With all of that and all of the pain of only being able to see him play through the one YouTube video he was able to make, which I'm about to play, I can sleep in peace at night because the father I am and the son he is was culminated as always in our final embrace as he ran out of arms and downstairs to watch Pokemon, I in his heart and he in mine. Al then made two final requests from the judge, that Letitia be stripped of his last name and that she be forced to spend one day in solitary confinement for each mile she drove across state lines to dispose of Gannon's body, and a sentence equal to each year she stripped from Gannon's life. Al then expressed his last wishes for Letitia. I pray also that Tisha lives the fullest and happiest life that any inmate possibly can live. I also pray that every night before she falls asleep, her last breath before she drifts off sounds just like the breath that she describes Gannon breathing as life left his body. And that all through her sleep, she dreams of all the fun they had at Disney and other places we went throughout our time together. And that every morning as she is about to wake, the end of the, her dream, the last words Gannon spoke to her screamed or cried, Tisha, stop. You're hurting me. Why, Tisha? Daddy, help me. 
I want my mommy. Why couldn't you let her just be a mama's boy? That's all he wanted to be. He just loved his mama. I wish she would tell me what those words were so I would know. And then as she speaks those words, the sound of a gunshot goes off and she wakes. Every day and night, I pray she relives just those moments. And then wakes up to a nice, warm, and kosher breakfast. In conclusion, I would like to share a picture of Gannon in his final state and find a resting place and thank everyone that has had a positive impact on my family and I to everyone that has shared the positive impact Gannon has had on your life from a proud and broken father from the bottom of my heart. I thank you. In his sentencing remarks, Judge Gregory Werner addressed Letitia's conduct in the case including when she had been seen giving the middle finger to witnesses during the trial. You betrayed your stepson and you took his life. You took away everything he was and everything he could ever become. I can't imagine the terror and confusion that he must have felt in the last moments of his life when he knew his life was being taken by someone he trusted to protect it. Your attempt to raise the claim that you did this because of your adverse childhood is also a betrayal of people that have mental health issues. It is no secret. I have handled hundreds, if not thousands of criminal cases over the years. I think at this point in my career, I've presided over something like 200 jury trials. I've sentenced hundreds more defendants pursuant to plea agreements. This is not the first murder case that has come before me. This is not the first case I have presided over which involves harm to a child. This is not the first case I have had where a person who was in an unhappy marriage committed a crime. Sadly, statistically, there is a high correlation between violent acts, including uh, murders and family members. I have had a number of cases which have demonstrated one person's capacity for cruelty toward another human being. I can, however, say without hesitation that the facts in this case are the most horrific I have ever seen. Your conduct in this case deserves the maximum punishment that I can impose under Colorado law. As such, with respect to the charge of first-degree murder after deliberation, I remand you to the custody of the Colorado Department of Corrections for the remainder of your life with no possibility of parole. At a press conference following the sentencing, Gannon's parents described how they were feeling after justice had finally been served. And I am blessed to be Gannon's mom. The 11 years that we were given with him, he's done more in his 11 years than a lot of us would do in a lifetime. So I pray that and ask that you continue to carry his legacy. And I will be forever grateful and proud for everything that you all have done. I thank you with all that I have. And again, thank you team for everything. You are my family. And Gannon is dancing. I know that he is, and he's running the clouds like Sonic, and I'm sure he's singing songs, as you know, Albert, and he's probably looking down, playing video games with you, and letting us know what game's going to come out next. He's never going to leave us. And I'm so thankful that you're his father. And it's been an amazing blessing to call him our son. So thank you, guys. Today, I just want to leave you with two words. Um, and the first word I, I don't use lightly um, based on what we've been through for the past five or six weeks, but uh, the dichotomy of this situation. 
Uh, as what we saw in the courtroom today, I think is a true win, is a true win for everybody involved, for the justice system, for us as the family. But, but for me, it only solidifies the loss, the loss that I, I'll never get to see my boy again. And uh, as we learn to move forward, we're never going to move on. But as we learn to move forward in our lives, we're never going to let him go. And that I can stand firm on. The second word I want to leave you with today is joy. And before I get into that, I, I do want to say, remind the world, the only crime com Gannon committed was being a mama's boy. And if that is a, carries a sentence of death, then I'm next because I love my mama. And I guarantee you there's men and boys all over this world who would carry the same thing. Despite her attempts to avoid taking responsibility for murdering her 11-year-old stepson, Letitia will spend the rest of her life in prison. Gannon Stauk was born fighting, and the love he received was nothing in comparison to the love that he gave. This episode was researched and written by Eileen McFarlane. Editing and scoring by Corey Hiltman. Script editing, additional writing, and production direction by Rosanna and Benjamin Fitton. For more on our series and notes on this episode, please visit theywalkamonguspodcast.com. And for more on the Law & Crime Podcast Network, please visit lawandcrime.com slash podcasts. This has been They Walk Among America. Thank you for listening and please be safe. are on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.